All right, if you have a Bible, you can grab it. We're going to continue on this series that we started last week about giving generously. And um, I'm really excited about these teachings, honestly. I think they're some of the tougher ones of lifestyle, but I actually think that the Lord is going to do something uh, through them to open our eyes that living a life of generosity is so much more than tithing. And I've been in church my, you know, really my whole life, and I have encountered so many different people, and I have encountered so many different viewpoints and ways that people view giving and tithing. And so many times the conversation gets dead-ended at 10%. And we talked about it last week, but really, in order to understand a life of generosity, you have to understand that God owns it all. <laughs> so when you get your mind stuck on tithing, you really miss the point because God actually owns it all. Everything you got is his. It ain't yours, it's his. And so last week we really talked about stewardship, that when you're a steward, you are managing someone else's resources, but they're not yours. So you and I are stewards. We're stewards. And when you have that viewpoint, it is very different. You don't spend money just on whatever you want. You steward the money. And a steward, I didn't talk about this as much last week, but a steward lives under the um, understanding that there will have to be an account for what you're stewarding. So I look, you know, at different ones and you have, you know, business you know, and I think about the Jaegers, and y'all have, you know, you have your business or others. And so when you're thinking about the finances of a business, you have to account for what comes in and what goes out, and you're looking at the books. We do that with the church. We have, Cheryl does that for us. She takes all of the income and all the expenses, and she lays it out. And then we have a church council that looks over all that and holds it accountable. Why? That's stewardship. That's management. That's making sure that we're being good stewards. Well, the same thing is in our own life is we have to have and live with this accountability that God will hold us accountable for our stewardship. And he's a good um, owner, we'll say. In other words, he's, he's, he's wise and he's smart. So he will give more resource to good stewards. The Bible teaches that. So many of Jesus' parables teach that. And they teach about to the one who is faithful with a what? With a little will be given more because they'll be faithful when they have more. So the very little that you might have today, be, be faithful with it. Don't complain about it. Don't gripe over it. And certainly don't waste it. Be faithful with it. And so I know with our own children, like we're teaching them these principles even right now, though they're young. Why? Because right now it's pennies, literally pennies, right? But one day it won't be pennies anymore. And if their heart hasn't yet accepted this responsibility as we are accountable to God and we do these out of the generosity and the love of our own heart, then one day when it's a lot of money, they're going to really struggle over it. It'll be hard for them. It'll be hard for them. So th these are the things where I think when you start to talk about generosity and giving, it's so much bigger than tithing. And I'll tell you this, it's bigger than money. Because I'll, I'll read the scripture that I, we started with last week out of Proverbs chapter 11, 24 and 25. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. 
but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. I love the different metaphors that are being thrown through here because there's a, there's a um, thought of farming here. There's one who scatters, like scattering seed. There's another scripture that said, when you cast your bread upon the water, that it will return to you wave after wave. So in other words, uh, if you've ever been and you've ever fed the ducks at a pond, right? And you throw the, the, the bread out on the water. Well, as the wind and even sometimes just little bitty ripples, they'll come back to, to the shore little by little. Well, that's what he's saying. The more bread you cast out there, the more you put out there, it will just, when you need it, it comes in. When you need it, it comes in. When you need it, comes in. But when you withhold more than is right, which is an interesting thought right there. There is an okay amount to withhold, like savings and keep, keep for what you need. But when you withhold more than is right, it says it leads to poverty. In other words, it leads to lack. And I think these principles run throughout so many different areas, not just financial. I'll give you an example. The Bible says if you want friends, be friendly. Right? If you want friends, be nice. <laughs> but be friendly. Right? I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, they've never really invited me over. And I'm like, have you ever invited them over? Have you ever been hospitable? Have you ever offered to go to coffee with them or to go to, to a meal with them and opened up your heart and your life? Because that's how it goes. You sow into it, and then you'll eventually reap from that. Well, that's the same idea. There's one who scatters yet increases more. And what I think about the way this is phrased is it doesn't logically make sense because you think the more you put out, the less you'll have. But the, the principles of the kingdom are so opposite of what you would think, but yet they are more real than any kind of economic principles that you're going to learn in America. They're more sure than the stock market. They're certainly more sure than all these cryptocurrencies stuff that you see, right? Like, they're sure. So when the Bible says there's one who scatters yet increases more, uh, you can take that to the bank. You can count on it. And so you don't have to be fearful to, like, claw on to everything you got. And I've, I don't, I've met people like that. Where, and and it, a lot of it is steeped in fear, and a lot of it is steeped in however their upbringing taught them. When you grow up in an um, impoverished household, it's hard to break free some, some, from some of those poverty mentalities. In another week, we'll get to that. Um, but it's hard to get free from that because you're not used to a thought that you will have enough. You're only used to not having enough. So when you enter into this kingdom, you are entering into a whole different economic system. So each of you, and I look around the room, each of you, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you didn't just receive eternal salvation, which you did, but you actually stepped into a family and, a, and an economic system that made you an heir, H-E-I-R, an heir of God's blessing, which includes spiritual blessings, but also uh, the physical needs that you have. 
how do I know this? Because Jesus taught this over and over and over again. Don't worry, he would say. Don't worry. Why do you worry? Because God clothes the, the, the valleys with lilies and he feeds the birds of the air. How much more will he give to you when you're more valuable than a bird? I'm paraphrasing. This is Ty's version, okay? But he's, how much more does he love you? And so Jesus is using very practical things. He didn't say, how much more will you go to heaven than the bird? He wasn't talking about heavenly spiritual things. He's talking about physical, what do you need today? God will take care of it. He'll handle it. So we know that this is something that was on the heart of God because Jesus, in all the things he could have taught about, taught about this multiple times. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't, don't, don't have anxiety about these things. Go to God about them. Ask him for them. Many of you, probably if I went around the room, you have testimonies of how God has been faithful to you and come through sometimes in the nick of time. Right on time. But sometimes you wish it would have been just a couple of days sooner, right? But he's showing you his faithfulness. Psalm says this, that he daily loads us with benefits. So there have been many times in the morning where I've prayed, Lord, I receive my daily load. In my own picture, I, I picture a dump truck coming up to my house and the guy just unloading good things right at my household. Why? Because he daily loads us with benefits daily. Jesus taught about being our daily bread. So there, God knows there are daily needs, not just yearly this is not a tax bill. <laughs> These are daily. But we have to break through some of those fears of God providing for us to be generous because otherwise you'll think what I have is all I have. And if I give a little bit of that, I won't have enough. You have to break that in your own heart and mind and realize, oh, no, no, no. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. You have, to, you have to believe that. And once you believe it, it looses you to be a generous person. Because you realize, oh, there's a lot more of this, you know, that where this came from. There's a lot more to this. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do not lay for, up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. So here's what he's saying. He's saying all these things that your heart values, keep them in check because there's very little you're going to be able to take to heaven. In fact, the only thing is going to be your soul, assuming that you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, and other souls. So don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where things can get to it and destroy it and eat it up. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So even in our generosity, it's for a purpose. God's not asking you just to go out in the streets and start throwing out $100 bills. But it's almost like this. It's an investment mentality. It's the resources that I have. I want to invest it in things that are going to have eternal impact on people. And sometimes that can be very practical. 
could be very practical. It could be saying, hey, I want to take a person that I randomly just met and take them to lunch and pay for their lunch. And that, that paid for lunch may initiate a conversation that would not have otherwise happened that may seed the gospel in their heart that actually leads that person to Jesus. You see what I'm saying? But that's not wasted. It wasn't even about the food. It was about the soul. So Jesus is saying, this is the mentality to have. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if your heart gets into things that are just like um, uh, worldly goods, you know, I mean, things that we all kind of like, the, the frivolous things of life, I, I, I can hang with the best of them and wanting some of those things too. But I have to make my heart value the right things. That if I'm going to put anything as a true value in my life, it's going to be things that have eternal impact and eternal consequences. And that shows up in multiple, multiple ways. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So when Jesus is saying all, he literally meant all. And he really, through this scripture, which is quoted out of the Old Testament as well, he broke down all the Ten Commandments and really all the law and the prophets and said, if you do this, you're good. He did go on to say that love your neighbor as yourself, but this, was, this, is, this is primary. If you don't love the Lord, you can't love your neighbor. Not in a biblical way. I went by Starbucks on the way here this morning, and they are decked out in all kinds of flags that I won't get into the details of this morning. But this is, this is a month for certain things to be, to be acknowledged and celebrated. But on their big old window, it says love is love. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's not true. Love without God is not love. Period. End of story. And that's true for a Christian. That's true for a married person. That's true for an unmarried person. That God is love. And without him, it's impossible to love. Impossible. Impossible. So where Jesus is saying that we must love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our being. And then the scripture I just read before that was out of the heart or where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. He's connecting and saying, if you want to love God with all, you're going to have to love him with your treasure too. You can't compartmentalize though we'd like to. This is all inclusive. Everything is inclusive. Your relationships are included in this. Your time is included in this. Your finances are included in this. So Jesus is saying, this is, this is not the great suggestion. It's a commandment. You got to do this one. If you don't do anything else in your life, make sure by, the, by your dying breath, you can, when you're in heaven and you're at the throne room, you can for sure know, I loved you, Lord, with all of my heart, with all of my mind, and with all of my soul. And if you're at all in a place where you question, I don't know if I love him with all, then that is a place for you to get on your knees, repent that you haven't, and ask him to help you to do it. And he will help you. Help me love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I'm weak. <laughs> I have failings. I have imperfections. So I, I have to ask the Lord, help me to do this commandment. Because 
I don't want to miss this one. And you say, well, how does this tie in to generosity? How does this tie in? Because I, I see too many people compartmentalize. And they think that loving the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength is I can sing a good song on Sunday, or I go to church every Sunday and I don't miss and I'm on time, but I own Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and for sure Saturday because that's the weekend, right? But that's not, that is not the teaching of Jesus, and that's not going to cut the mustard when you get to heaven. He's going he's gonna to find, and this is where the response that each of us will hear when we are in heaven, hopefully, is, well do done, my good and faithful, what? Servant. He doesn't say, my good and faithful son, my good and faithful daughter, though we love, I love those attributes that were a part of the family, but when it comes to our heaven in eternity, it comes down to servant and i just think the wording the choice that god that jesus uses there is very interesting and then it says there are other passages where when you are not going into heaven he says depart from me for i don't know you and a couple parables it says it like this away with you you wicked and lazy servant this is jesus jesus's teachings he was pretty intense sometimes and we have to allow those teachings to hit us. Otherwise, we get, we get tweaked and we, we get deceived to think that we can just live however we want to. And it's going to just work out. It'll be fine. But there is a time where it's like we are going to be judged for our servant heart and our, our obedience. So depart from me, you wicked and lazy servant. That, those are words I never want to hear. <laughs> never, 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 never. I want to hear well done. Well done. I'm going to give you two examples that I just, every time I read these scriptures, I'm so moved and I'm so convicted because there's two women that are in the book of Mark that I want to draw attention to when it comes to giving and generosity. And these are polar opposite women, really. They're pol polar opposite in their status and in their, their, their financial um, planes that they were living on. So I'm going to start in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. These are really familiar to you, but I'm going to ask you to open your heart fresh to them. Verse 41, it says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quandrance. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more, has put in more, put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now, Jesus is, uh, I'm not going to be on camera, sorry everybody online, but Jesus is literally, this is his position. We have our tithes and offerings box over here. And Jesus is literally standing over here, and he's watching. That's what he says. He stood, stood in front of the treasury, and he watched. And this is what he says. He watched how they put it in. This is, the, this is the teaching that's right here. He watched how. He watched how. So he watched rich person after rich person, and they all gave a lot because they had a lot. 
So it was relative, and Jesus understood that. And so he watched how they would do it. And then he watched one woman come, whom he said was a poor widow, and she came, and she put in two mites. Two mites. Now, I looked it up. I, I looked this up quite a while ago. Um, and for this teaching, I had to redo because of today's minimum wage and all of that. But I looked it up, and as he's watching this woman give two mites, something about how she put it in told him it's everything she's got. Maybe it was how she prayerfully put it in. Maybe it was something of her, the seriousness that she took. Because it says he watched how they did it. The rich people came and probably just easily put it in because they have a lot. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to put a lot in when you have a lot. But she puts in two mites. Well, in today's terms, uh, two mites is one sixty-fourth of a denarii, which is one sixty-fourth of one day's wage. One sixty-fourth, one over sixty-four of one day's wage. So I took today's Maryland new minimum wage, which is eleven seventy-five an hour, a lot more than I made on my first job. I had five fifteen an hour. Some of y'all probably made a lot less than that. But one sixty-fourth. So if I took eleven seventy-five and I put in today's terminology, it would, she would she would have put in a dollar forty-seven. Because you take one day's wage. So I took you know just take eleven seventy-five, multiply it by eight. So that it's, you know, an eight-hour workday, then you multiply, you divide that by sixty-four. That's one forty-seven, dollar forty-seven. And Jesus said that's all she had. And then he says she gave more than everybody. Now listen to the teaching. Jesus did not say that the rich people put in more. He said the widow put in more. Jesus said, in my economy, $1.47 is more than whatever big amounts. Because he, he didn't even acknowledge how much they put in. He didn't even detail it. Do you notice that? He didn't even detail it. He didn't even, it is not even on the scriptural radar. He said, no, this poor woman put in more than the rest. For she gave her whole livelihood her whole livelihood. Now, I'm going to set you all at ease. I'm not taking an offering after this, and I'm not asking you to uh, empty your bank accounts, okay? So this teaching is not leading to that. Uh, but I do want us to challenge our own hearts and our own approach when it comes to God. What do we withhold, and what are we giving? What do we withhold, and what are we giving? And is our lifestyle in such a way that we would be willing? Would you be willing? I'll share a personal story with Lily and I at the risk of sounding like, oh, we think we're something. We're not. But I do remember one year where we got a tax return. And, you know, it helps to have multiple children when it comes to taxes, because you just get, I mean, benefit after benefit. They must feel bad for us. I don't know. But they just, you know, so one year we got, about, we got I want to say it was like, well, I know what it was because I remember what we gave, but it was like $5,000 back. And we had 
<laughs> Sam says, that's a lot. For you, I'm sure that is a lot of money. That's more than $1.47 for sure uh, in the sense of the today's economy. But I remember, you know, we had some debt we were trying to get rid of and all this. So it's very tempting to take the 5000 and put it towards the debt. And we would have tithed because, you know, some people really haggle over, well, do you tithe over? And we just, you know what, we just tithe. And we're not so concerned about um, only giving just enough. That's just been our approach. We just make sure. So we just tithe off of everything, really. But in this time, we felt like we were supposed to give our church at the time all of it. The whole kit, $5,000. That was 100%. That was 105. And that was a lot. That was multiple times what we had ever given before. So we're not talking about, oh, well, that just must be the love. No, at that time, that was crazy, huh? But that, that wasn't our tithe. That was 100%. Are y'all catching what I'm saying? So fast forward. And again, I'm sharing in a vulnerable place because y'all might start to like try to do things. I don't know. I'm just going to share the testimony and allow the Lord to work it out. But now there came a place which we had never been in before where that same amount was now our tithe, not our 100%. Because of something that happened in our life that we, were, that we had received, that that same amount became our tithe, not the 100%. But when we gave it, I could have never imagined that it was going to lead to that. Our faith was just paying off debt. We set it down and we were like, Lord, we're sowing this as seed. This is, what we're this is what we're asking for. We're asking for supernatural provision and help. And it took faith. It took faith. And we even, we've, we were very formal, actually. We brought all of our kids together. We did the check. We told them what we were doing. And then we took the check to our senior pastor because we asked him, would you please pray with us? Not because we were trying to get him to give us a pat on the back, but we, this is big. Have you ever given a gift like that where you're like, this is a big deal. God, please come through. <laughs> like, Please see this. Jesus, see this gift, you know. So we, we took it. But you can't imagine how many things happened after that year. Not the big thing where I just said that that tithe became our 100% or that 100 became our tithe. But I remember throughout the year, our kids would say, when we would be blessed with something, even small things, they would say, remember how we gave that day? Remember how we sowed that day? Remember, remember, remember? All throughout the year. Wasn't that right? All throughout the year. They would, rec they would re recall the memory that we sowed for that. We sowed for that. And so I just, when this woman... I even, even having done that, I still don't feel like I'm on even the same playing field as this widow because we didn't give our whole livelihood. So I'm like, there's still a place yet to go in our walk with the Lord that in Jesus's heart said, no, that person gave more than everything. And she gave so much that I'm going to record it on scripture so that everyone who reads this is going to read about that woman. Powerful, powerful. Mark chapter 14, there's another woman. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. 
And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it out on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Wasted. Their viewpoint on that's waste. That's wasteful. Why would you give a church that kind of money? Why would you, what does the church need to do with that money? What does that ministry need to do with that money? That's, that's wasteful. What are they going to use it on? That's, that's, we wouldn't say why is this fragrant oil wasted, but a lot of people ask, why does the church need that? Because they missed the point. Verse 5, for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. 300 denarii is a year's wage. 300 days, you think weekends, Sabbaths, and all of vacation, whatever what they would have taken off, 300 denarii would about equal a year's wage. And they criticized her sharply. Listen to this, but Jesus, everybody say, but Jesus, said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever, whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has done what she could. Catch that. She gave a year's wage. She has done what she could. She could do this. And she did it. And then catch this. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. What this one woman did will be told as a memorial to her. Now, I will just break down the money again. So 300 denarii, using the same terms that I just used, is going to be somewhere in the $25,000 range this jar a year's wage right now minimum wage so we'll just i think that's a low ball because i don't know that they're making minimum wage this woman i don't know but if i'm just lowballing it this oil today in today's terms this jar would have cost 25 grand oil poured out can't buy any chairs with it can't rent a new facility. You can tell it's on my mind for our future. <laughs> can't buy a new facility with it. You can't use it next Sunday. You can't give it to the poor, like those critics were saying. You can't do any. All she did was anoint him. She used that oil for him. For him. And this is what Jesus said, which guarantee you, the woman didn't know that what she was doing was preparing him for burial. And as I was preparing, I just knew, and I was receiving it for myself, but I want to share it with you. I just knew that there are some gifts that you will give that you have no idea the importance of what your giving is. It'll just seem like an act of worship, which is very pure and genuine from your heart. But what you don't know is this preparing something for Jesus that you could not have ever anticipated. Don't cut God short 
by thinking on such a minor, small level. Allow the Spirit of God to move you, to overtake you, to cause you to be such of a generous spirit that you become like one of these women where it's like, Lord, this is what I have, so I give it to you. I give it to you. Because Jesus looked at this woman and said, she's done a good work for me. For me. For me. I, I just, I, I don't know of any better examples in Scripture than these two women when it comes to this. When it comes to giving, when it comes to generosity, and when it comes to Jesus very clearly showing how he sees giving. And Jesus didn't put caveats in here. He didn't let us off the hook. He didn't say, well, this isn't really for everybody. This is only for a few people. This is only for people who are really well off. Oh, no, he didn't put any ca caveats in, in there. We ain't off the hook. That's terrible like, uh, English, but we'll southernize it for us. You ain't off the hook. <laughs> God's calling us to a whole other level of giving, giving of our heart, giving of our own um, time of our resources and this is what I'm, I'm here to tell you it will come back to you multiple 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 times over multiple times over multiple times over Mul you, I've heard it said before it's not a scripture so don't take it like as the same level you as scripture but I have heard people say you can't outgive God and I really think it's true when it comes from a place of faith and it comes from a place of love. And so the Lord is like, just right here, just reading what he said, it's like, oh Lord, may I be in such a place that my gifts matter so much that they're preparing something for you that I had no idea was about to happen. Like, may, may my gift have that kind of impact. May what I thought was just an act of worship be received at such a level for you that you would use it to change history. I mean, she prepared him for what was coming. And I don't really know many other points of Scripture where God, which Jesus is God incarnate, said this is going to be a memorial to a human being. He said, it's going to be written, wherever this gospel is preached, this will be written as a memorial to this woman. He said, this deserves to be told. This deserves to be remembered. This person deserves to have that kind of reputation. Give it to her. Give it to this woman. So these were two women, totally different worlds. One had, the fact that she owned a jar of oil worth a whole year's wage tells me she was rich. Otherwise, she would have never bought a, a, a jar of oil that she had, okay? And then you have a poor widow who had two mites to her name, $1.47, and that was all she had. Two women, two gifts, two different amounts, and Jesus put them both on the same level, said, remember these women for their gifts. So this, to me, is our challenge this is what I, I would ask you, and, and there's no 
formula to it, and I'm not going to check in on any of you about it. This is between you and the Lord Jesus. What's your gift? What's your gift? What will we give where Jesus takes note when he sees? When he sees our giving, again, I'm not talking about going over to the, to the offering today. I'm talking about when you're giving things for the kingdom of God, what does he see? What does he see? And if your heart has any amount of humility, which I'm sure it does, is you want to be like that. Even if you don't know how, even if you're like, I don't know what the implications are, your heart will yearn because you love Jesus. You love him. And a love for him makes you want to do things for him. So I'm going to pray for us today. So if you would close your eyes, bow your heads. And I'm praying that as I'm speaking that the Lord would do a work in each of our hearts and rid and, and weed out anything of skepticism or cynicism or anything that comes along with the, 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 the thought and the talk sometimes of finances. People, it can get people tweaked, and I understand that. But I just want us to come to the simplicity of the teachings of Jesus that took note of two women who gave what they had, who gave what they could. Jesus, bring us to simplicity. Bring us to the simple place. Help us to put out of our heart and our head any man-pleasing, any thought of the critics, like this woman who gave the oil, criticism that says, well, what is that for? Why would you waste that? And all of that, we just put it out of our heart and out of our mind. We take the posture of Jesus who understands the spiritual implications of what's happening. Father, work in us this heart. Work in us this surrender that this requires. Work in us this desperation to give things to you that are of value to you and are of importance to you. Draw us up, Lord. Pull us up. Pull us up out of our family histories and out of poverty mentality and out of things that would hold us back and keep us uh, entrenched in the world system and in the world economy. Pull us up, Lord. Pull us up into your kingdom economy. Pull us up into your kingdom generosity. Pull us up into the way that you see things and you think about things and the way that you manage things. Pull us up, Lord. Pull us up. Pull us up. Break us free from anything that has kept us in lack or in poverty. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm pausing right here so that the Lord can speak to each of you, to each heart. We're stewards, Lord. Help us to steward well. Help us to steward well. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to give you a challenge this week. Um, three different things I'm going to have you pray over. So you might want to write these down because we're in, we are in the presence of the Lord. And when the Lord's speaking to you to do something, make sure you, you are attentive. And if I say it and you're like, that's not the Lord, well, then that's a different story, okay? <laughs> but I want you to pray over three different things. I want you to pray over, first, your calendar. Generosity and time go hand in hand. I want you to pray over your calendar and yield it to the Lord. Offer it to him. Lord, my time is your time. How do you want me to use it? Listen to me. If you don't, if you don't approach your life like this, you have not yet stepped into all. You haven't stepped into all yet. Take your calendar, pray over it. Lord, how do you want me to use my time? Number two, pray over your property. Uh, whether it's an apartment, whether it's rented or it's owned. However it is, pray over your property. You, don't, you can walk around it. You can walk through it. You can sit in it. However that looks for you is fine. But say, Lord, how do you want me to use this property? Is this a house of healing? Is this a house of hope? Is this a house of salvation? Is, I, I want to use it for however you want me to use it. Just tell me. And as you pray, the Lord might say, you know those neighbors that you always wave at? You should invite them over for some coffee or some tea or dinner. Why? Because you start to understand, this is your property, Lord. You, this is yours. You didn't give it to me to squander. You didn't give it to me to waste. You gave it to me to steward. How do you want me to steward it? Last one, number three, pray over your bank account. If you have an app, just pull up the app, lay your hand on it, and say, Lord, how do you want me to use this? How do you want me to use this? What, what we're doing is these are prayers of surrender. These are prayers of surrender. These are prayers that will change your life. If you get into a mode of saying all of this is yours, all of this is yours, all of this is yours, it will completely change the way you see the things that come into your hand. But if you ignore it and you just keep going on with life and you just keep going on with how you are, that's, that's between you and the Lord Jesus. But you won't be like these women. You won't be like these women. These women, they were different. So why don't we do this? Let's stand to our feet.